On this episode of This is Game Boy Light, who the heck is Belthick? Welcome everyone to Light Episode 10. I think this is 10. It says 10 in the notes. I'm really good at knowing what episode we're on. I am Belthick, aka Belthick Gaming, aka BC, aka Bloody Candy, whatever you want to call me. Um, and today we're going to be talking about well, little old me. Um, Mo did an episode, episode Light Episode 9 about himself and uh it got me to think like most people that listen to this podcast have either started watching me or listening to me well after like a name change or once I was getting into speed running or retro gaming whatever else um and some people just don't know who the hell I am so might as well give you a little bit of history on who I am um just a heads up to you all, my voice may sound deeper and a little bit more um, raspy. I'm getting over the flu still. Uh, I still have a bit of a cough. Uh, voice is still a little weak. I still can't do the high pitch, high pitch yells or anything else anymore. Um, but yeah, so quick update what I've been up to. Like I said, getting over the flu. Uh, I've been doing some Game Boy manual scans. That sounds as entertaining as it really is. Um, doing some Game Boy Adventure, we did uh, Super Hunchback, which was a gem of a Game Boy game, let me tell you what, Contra Operation C and Wild Snake, Operation C being the better of the three games I play, Wild Snake is awful, um, SGDQ 2019 submissions, I got my three submissions in for that, uh, we'll have a game list here, hopefully in the next couple weeks from GDQ, but I submitted uh, Titus the Fox on Game Boy, uh, Squidlet, which is a Game Boy influenced game on Steam, and Shaq Food Game Boy, because you know, that's just what you gotta do. But uh, yeah, before we dive into everything, we're gonna take a very quick short break here, and uh, we're gonna dive into how Belthic became Belthic and my upbringing. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. I hope I told legs put bloody tears in. We'll see if uh, bloody tears made it in. Um, so yeah, my upbringing. Um, my parents were not gamers by any means, and the gamers in the sense that they didn't play video games at all. Um, my my dad grew up on a farm, very far away from town. Um, I really don't know too terribly much about my mom's upbringing outside of the town she grew up in because it would be the town I would later grow up in. And also there is not much there. Uh, it's a pretty poor town. Um, but I can recall them 
uh, talking about playing games like Space Invaders, Galaga, uh, Centipede, and stuff like that in arcade cabinets. So, I mean, they weren't too recluse, but um, it was pretty pretty rare from my understanding of my parents. Um, my earliest memory of gaming, however, is an NES that my parents had. To this day, I don't know why they had the NES, and I don't even think they they could tell me why they had an NES in the house. Um, I would assume my mother bought it, or it was given to them as a gift, or something of a sort. Because uh, definitely my dad would not have bought an NES. <laughs> um, but my earliest memory is having an NES, and the first game I would ever play is Mega Man 3. Snake Man, best music. And Mega Man 3 would be the first game I would ever beat. Um, I think I was like four or five years old when I beat Mega Man 3. Uh, but I do have some memories of my mother playing games like Kings of the Beach, which is a beach volleyball game on the NES, and Black Bass Fishing on the NES, uh, which that game would actually terrify me as a child and make me still to this day not want to play it for the NES. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrifying game. Uh, and I can remember my dad playing uh, games like Galaga, uh, Space Invaders, or Galaxian, or wherever it was. Um, like old old arcade style games like Tetris and shit like that. But uh, when I was four or five is when I got the system that most people associate me with, and that is the Game Boy. The first Game Boy games I ever had was Tetris and Super Mario Land 1 because I got it pretty much right when it came out. Um, Tetris being the pack-in title, I believe, for the Game Boy. So, obviously, everyone and their mother was going to have Tetris on the Game Boy. But, uh, there was a reason I got the Game Boy, because I grew up in a military family. Both of my parents were in the Air Force. Um, so I did a lot of traveling as a kid, um, from ages... Christ, from age two to five, basically. I can recall being in multiple states and multiple barracks. So it's kind of hard to play an NES in the backseat of a 1986 Pontiac Grand Am. As you can imagine, uh, they, there weren't there weren't plugins, there weren't USB ports back then. At least not in cars. Um, so I would always play the Game Boy. I, always, I played Super Mario Land 1 because I hated Tetris as a kid. didn't understand it. Um, so I remember my parents buying me like the big like 60-pack of like those really, really really cheap generic AA batteries because I would just chew through batteries playing the Game Boy. Because, I mean, the Game Boy took four AA batteries, and batteries weren't cheap back then. They still aren't cheap now. So um, they'd buy, like, this big old, like, bulk pack from, I don't know what the equivalent was back then to, like, a Sam's Club or a Costco. But, you know, you get that really big cheap pack, like a wholesale price of just, like, the most generic name you've ever heard of. Um, and yeah, I mean, that would last me, you know, month or whatever it was. Uh, but they would eventually buy me the wall adapter for the Game Boy because I would start to play the Game Boy more at home as well. Um, like I said, like, I, we, we were always on the move. I had a pretty, like, my, my, we didn't have a ton of money growing up. Um, that's why I was really surprised that we had an NES growing up. But the NES would be in the living room, hooked up to the family TV, um, my room didn't have a TV at all, and my guess is my parents would never let me put the NES in my room to begin with. So whenever I went to my room, I'd play the Game Boy, and well, it just made sense to buy the wall adapter at that point since, you know, I wouldn't have to eat through batteries, it'd just pay for itself over time. Um, 
<clears throat> but as I got older, my interest in video games would actually diminish pretty quick. Um, when you were an 80s and 90s kid, you didn't spend much time inside. You were always outside, whether it's rain, snow, sunshine, whatever it may be. Um, we just I, I personally just didn't play a lot of video games from like age... 7 to like 15 I just didn't I didn't play much for video games um, I can definitely I remember the day I got the Super Nintendo I was six years old when I got the Super Nintendo and it was the Donkey Kong Country um, Super Nintendo so it was the Super Nintendo with Donkey Kong Country 1 and uh, I remember not caring for the Super Nintendo games themselves but wanting the Super Game Boy and in America, we only got the Super Game Boy 1, which if you're into speedrunning, you all know that it runs at a faster clock speed, blah, 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 blah. But I, I, I was more interested in the Super Game Boy for the Super Nintendo because I liked I liked Balloon Kid. I liked Super Mario Land 1. I, I pretended to like Godzilla on the Game Boy. Um, like, I was more interested in playing Game Boy on the TV than I was actually playing... Super Nintendo games. That's not to say I didn't like any of the Super Nintendo games. Um, like I had uh, WWF WrestleMania, wherever it was on Super Nintendo, which I really enjoyed because I was I was a big wrestling fan. Still, I'm a decent wrestling fan. Um, I mean, I played Donkey Kong Country. I played Super Mario World. Unfortunately, um, Double Dragon, Battletoads. I hate Battletoads. But uh, like I play Super Nintendo games, I but my 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 main interest when I would play the Super Nintendo was the Super Game Boy because I just enjoyed my Game Boy games so much more, and um, probably because I had a more of a connection to them just because of growing up, you know, I'm always on the move. Um, but yeah, no, I remember getting, I remember the day I got the Super Nintendo is on Christmas. And I think my mother played it more than I did <laughs> throughout my childhood. Because I can remember coming home from school when she was playing Donkey Kong Country 1 or Donkey Kong Country 3 or, you know, whatever else I, I had on the system at the time. But uh, for me, it was like I'd go up to my room, play Game Boy, or I'd just go outside and hang out with friends. Typically, it was the second option. I was always outside. I was always with my friends. Um... But, you know, I grew up, you know, for so, like I said, we were, I was in a military family. Uh, we would eventually land in Ohio. Um, grew up in a little town called Toronto, Ohio. Deep, deep in the, in the Ohio Valley. Like, I could, like, we were on the edge of the Ohio River. Like, you could see West Virginia from my house. Um, it was a poor town. It was where my mother grew up. So, we had, so I had some family there. We had a, had a support system there of a sort. Um, but it was a very, very poor town. Um, everyone's parents pretty much worked together, uh, whether it was at the steel mill or some other type of mill type operation. So that means like me and my best friends, you know, like our parents worked together. So like keeping like any type of secret was just near impossible. Like our parents always knew what was going on in our life. Whether or not, you know, we told them or a friend told, you know, their parents or whatever else. Um, that doesn't, that's not to say that it, it deterred us from doing stupid things in our life. But uh, we were just more prone of getting caught than anything else. 
so yeah, I remember, uh, I remember just like my friends and I were just, we weren't like we knew of video games, we would play video games every once in a while, but we just weren't like into them. Like we weren't like we are nowadays where like people can make millions of dollars on video games. It was like, you play it for an hour, you, your parents come out here and be like, hey, go outside and play. But it's there's 14 feet of snow. I don't care. Go outside and play. I need time to myself. Okay. Then you go outside and do your thing. This is how it was back then. But I can still remember when the PlayStation 1 came out. More specifically, SmackDown for the PlayStation 1. My friends and I were huge, huge wrestling fans. Um, I watched WCW and I watched WWF. I watched both programs. And I remember my friends and I going to the high school and pulling out the high jump mats and doing wrestling moves on the high jump mats, like jumping from the top of the bleachers, like onto these mats, or you know, doing power bombs to each other and body slams and whatnot on these mats. And uh, when SmackDown came out for the PS One, only one of my friends had a PS One, and um, he got the game. And I remember um, him and I and two other friends would stay the night at his place and. We rented a multi-tap from the rental store. and um, Because if you don't know, the PlayStation 1 only had two controller ports. In order to play a game with multiple people, like more than one other person, you had to get this multi-tap to plug into both ports so you can play up to four people. And I remember we, we went to the rental store and got a multi-tap. We, like the four of us, like combined what money we could find, basically. Like at the time, it was like two or three dollars, mind you. To go rent this multi-tap for a weekend. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we all stayed the night at, at my friend's house. And we played SmackDown literally all night. Um, and we like never changed characters. Like it was always like Stone Cold, The Rock, Jeff Hardy. You know, like the, the really popular wrestlers of, that, of the time. And uh, it was just all night long that we would just play that one game on the multi-tap. And... Um, like I remember when I remember the N sixty four coming out. I remember I vaguely remember getting the N sixty four. I can remember opening the box, but I couldn't remember exactly. I couldn't tell you when I got it though. Um, and I remember my 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 dad surprised me one day at the end, at the end of his work shift. And he came home with WWF Warzone, and I was just in awe because. Like, the, the last wrestling game I had was WrestleMania for the Super Nintendo. So my dad comes home with, you know, WWF Warzone. And Stone Cold Steve Austin's on the front cover, you know, fists in the air. And uh, pop it in. It's 3D polygonal graphics. But at the time, we're just like, oh, my God, Triple H looks so good. You know, Stone Cold looks so good. And to do, like, a finisher move was like a Mortal Kombat fatality. And uh, just impossible to do. And, uh, cause it wasn't just one button. It was like a combination of like six different buttons to do like a stone cold stutter. And I remember playing the living crap out of Warzone so much that I started wearing out the pins on the cartridge. And, uh, I still have the copy from my childhood today and it still works surprisingly. But I, I had other games for the N64. Like, I had Ocarina of Time. I had Majora's Mask. I had some sports games. But I never... I rarely played them. Like, I remember beating Ocarina of Time when I was, like, 16 or 17 years old. Um, 
I, I, you know, I, I've, I've played them. I would beat them, but like they just weren't like my main spiel. Like I, Warzone and WWF Attitude, like those two games, off the charts for me. Like I would, I, like if you saw me playing the N sixty four, it was probably one of those two games, um, or W or WCW or no WWF No Mercy. Played that a lot too. WCW was it Nit or uh, Nitro or Revenge or whatever it was with Goldberg. That was a solid one as well. Um, but I didn't own that one. I would always rent that one, which takes me to like renting games. Like I didn't do chores growing up. Like I was a, just a hell child growing up. Hated doing chores. Hated going to school. Hated everything. Not much has changed in twenty some years, thirty some years. But um, my dad had a deal with me. Where for every A I got on my report card, I was allowed to rent a game for a weekend. Um, mind you, you only got report cards four times a year. So, no. Yeah, four times a year. Well, twice, technically. You get progress progress reports in the halfway point, but we counted those as report cards. Um, and I was never an A student. Like, for me to get an A in school was a pretty rare occasion. I was more of a C student growing up. Um, but on the off chance I somehow got an A, like I was able to rent a game that I would rent WCW, Nitro, Revenge, or whatever it was with Goldberg, or 1080 Snowboarding, because that game is awesome. 1080 Snowboarding is top tier in 64 game, and I don't even like the N64 that much. But yeah, but like even still then, I, I didn't play video games all that up. Video games were more of a, oh, I have to go stay at my grandparents' house because my dad's working. So I'm like, well, my grandparents never let me outside for some unknown reason. I have no idea why. So I always just go upstairs to my room and play video games. Whatever. Or it was a nighttime thing where it's like, I can't sleep. Um, I don't want to go to sleep. I close my bedroom door, put the TV on mute, and play video games. So I didn't wake up my dad. Um, for those of you who are wondering, like, why aren't you talking about your mom anymore? My mother and father divorced, separated and divorced when I was 10 years old. Um, I would move in with my father and my mom would basically move away and be completely out of my life for the next eight years. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, no hard feelings. I don't want to see any sorries or anything I could chat. Made me a better person, to be fair. Um, but, like, still, like, I just didn't play much of the games. Like, it wasn't me, like... Come home from school, sit sit down on a couch or on the floor or in a chair and play video games. It was I still come home from school, go directly back outside, hang out with friends, or go to practice. I played football from first grade until I graduated high school. So from seven years old to eighteen years old, I played football. Um, I dabble in basketball here and there, and I did track and field from seventh grade, which would have been what, 13 years old until college, I would run track in college. So until I was 20. So, I mean, I would I did sports as well, mainly because I didn't want to be home more than anything else. I just never wanted to be home. Um, but, you know, as we as, as I grew older, um, started to understand it a bit more. Like, I, I always hung out with the wrong crowd. Like, the crowd I hung out with were... Um, these, we'd call them, you know, hoodlums, hooligans, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I hung out with the wrong crowd growing up most of my life. And what they say is true. Like, you know, 
you hang out with the people that you want to be like, you know, and when I hung out with the wrong crowd, I was just, a, I, was, I, was, I was a bad person. Um, I did things I regretted. I said things I regretted, whatever else. Um, as I got older, it, you know, it started making more sense. Um, my dad, you know, would always have the talk with me like, hey, like, you're hanging out with these people. You know what people say about them. Da, 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 da. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, but as I got older, it started making more sense. I started understanding it a bit more. Um, I started reflecting a bit more on life just because I had some life events happen um, that made me change the outlook of how I had, you know, of how I had things. One of them being I had an eating disorder when I was 15 or 16 years old where I, uh, I choked on some food and then I refused to eat for like the next five months. And I remember being in and out of the doctor's office in the hospital getting like IVs put in because I just wouldn't eat. Um, so I needed to get nutrients and whatever else some other way. Um, and after some, you know, therapy and everything else, I find something finally clicked in my brain and, you know, all of that started going back to normal. Now I eat more than I probably should because I'm fat now. <laughs> but uh, at the time, like when I was growing up in high school, I was six foot, 165 pounds soaking wet. Like I was a pretty small guy in high school. Um and then college is when I stopped playing sports is when I started gaining a lot of weight. But uh, that's in the next section of this episode. But yeah, like I said, like my outlook on life started changing a bit as I grew older. Um, I started to understand what was meant by, you know, being with a certain crowd, hang, putting yourself around certain types of people. It, it started to make more sense to me. And... So I started, you know, I took that, I reflected on life, and I started pr progressing myself. I'm more maturing than anything else. Uh, my academics did slowly start to get better. Uh, nothing to brag about. They were jumping from C minuses, basically, to C or C pluses. Not a huge jump. I just didn't like school growing up. I still, to this day, don't like school. I like learning, but I like learning at my own pace and what I want to learn. I don't like to be forced to learn something at all at a certain pace. Um, as you'll find out later about the Game Boy stuff we've been diving into. Um, you know, I would look into like my, maybe like my future. Like I started looking into, um, started looking into like what I want to do when I grow up and what started piquing my interest with gaming again, because like I said, like I didn't do much for gaming. You know, it was just one of those, here and there things that waste like an hour, half hour to an hour of my time. Um, but that night that we all played PlayStation 1 and we all played SmackDown was the night that my interest started coming back to uh, to gaming. Um, mainly because it wasn't so much like the game was good. It was more the fact that it brought four of us together for an entire night and we all we had a blast like we had so much fun it was it wasn't so much that all oh, they made 60 bucks off of you know a kid for liking wrestling it was they made 60 dollars and they literally made an impression on these four kids for the rest of their life because the four of us still still to this day talk even though i live in minnesota now they still live in ohio we still talk and we can still all recall that night that we played SmackDown on the PS1. Like, we all have that lasting memory now. So looking more into the future, like, I started looking into game design, level design. Uh, I started looking at 
at collecting games at flea markets and stuff. But as a kid, I had no money because I never did chores for an allowance because I didn't do anything growing up because I hated life because I was one of those people. I was an emo 90s-year-old kid, you know. So... I, I can recall like having like a couple bucks here and there, like oh I mowed the grass, I got like five dollars, or like oh I took out the trash for a month, I get you know five ten dollars, whatever it was, you know at the time, and then um, but typically that money would just go right to like a convenience store or whatever and buy like chocolate milk or just something stupid. Uh, every once in a while I'd have a spare money. We, I, I I remember I bought Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for fifty cents at a flea market just because I had the money to do it. Um, so I mean, like I can recall doing that, but like it wasn't it wasn't very often, not like it is today. But um, yeah, so I was probably around like sixteen ish years old at this point. So uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to take a, another short break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about basically the rest of my teenage life because that's going to kind of set the tone for where we are in today's world. So stay tuned. Hopefully that cheery music brought up a little bit of the uh, undertones that we had going on there. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, still not really into gaming. Like I said, like my my outlook on life is is getting there. But I'm just like I'm a I'm a 16 year old kid. The last thing on my mind is adulthood. Like I'm like oh I can't wait to be an adult to move out. But like the last thing on my mind is like what I want to do with my life. Like I'm I'm interested in sports women and just be at me um typical 16 year old kid right um but when i was uh 16 my grandfather got really sick and um my dad found a job in wisconsin and uh, we basically dropped everything in ohio packed up and we moved to wisconsin uh, when i was 16 so i was a sophomore in high school my second year of high school um, pretty, it's a pretty tough transition area because like you have all of your childhood friends, you have, you're very comfortable and you're in high school. Like you're in like the home stretch of education before you go into college, whether you go to college in a different town, state, or wherever else, like you're kind of like in the home stretch of academics in like the home stretch of your childhood. Um, so we dropped everything and moved to Wisconsin when I was 16 and, um, uh, so now I have I have no friends. I know no one in Wisconsin except for my grandparents. I have to make new friends. Like, it's this hell on earth, right? And mind you, when I lived in Ohio, I can get from point A to point B, no problem. Like, it may be a little too far to walk, but we always had a bike. Like, I had a 19, or I don't remember what year it was, but I had a six-speed Huffy bike, mountain bike. And the thing took me from point A to point B for, like, 11 years, basically. It was fantastic. It was phenomenal um 
But when I moved to Wisconsin, we moved out into the country, aka the sticks. Um, and walking was too far. Biking was too far. Like the best, the only like real way to get into town was to drive into town. And being 16, I didn't have my license yet because I was in the process of getting my license in Ohio, but then we moved to Wisconsin. So I had to start that entire process over again. Um, so here we are, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and I can't, I, you know, I have nowhere to go. I don't have friends, so I can't go to a friend's house. I, you know, I, I, I don't know where to go. Like, I don't know where the hangout spot is in town. Plus, I can't get to town in anyway because it's too damn far away. So, uh, I can remember grabbing one of the totes and opening up, and it was, like, my Super Nintendo, my N64, my NES. I was like, oh, man, all right. You know, I had a little TV in my room, uh, like, a little, like, 12-inch TV with, like, a built-in VCR. It was great. And uh, I watched Pokemon all the time. And I, I remember hooking them up and playing them. I was like, oh, I remember this game. Like, I played Warzone again. I played... Uh, Ninja Gaiden, Mega Man 3, Donkey Kong. I got played all the old games again. And I remember my old man, my dad, bought me the Xbox when it came out, the OG Xbox. Again, I rarely ever played it, though. But I can remember him and I every night would sit down and play Halo together until we beat the game. And it was one of the very, very few times I can ever recall playing video games with my with my dad. Well, the only other time I can recall playing a video game with my dad is playing Namco Museum games on the N64. And what I mean by Namco Museum, I mean like Pac-Man, Pole Position, Dig Dug, Galaga, games like that. Games that he grew or kind of grew up with. Um, the only, those are the only times I can recall playing games with my with my father. Once in a while, we'd play pinball here and there if we were at like a restaurant or something. Um... But you know, as time progressed, like I'm pretty, I'm a pretty friendly person. I like to think I am in a way. May not be in my old age anymore, but I'm a very outgoing person. I like to meet new people. I like to talk to people. So, getting friends, meeting new people wasn't a huge issue. Um, it was just more so just doing it, because uh, I wouldn't go back to school until like a month after we moved, basically. So I was like a month into second year of high school, and just like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, but I would meet new friends, you know, who had a passion for video games. Um, one of my mods, um, Darkwater, AKA Snipe in my chat, him and I went to high school together in Wisconsin and him and I to this day still hang out with each other. We still play video games with each other. Like, um, so like as I grew, as I met new people and got a new friend group, I put myself in a much better crowd than what I was in Ohio. Like the... Like, the people I hang out with now in Wisconsin, you know, they don't drink, they don't do drugs, they don't do any of the, any of the sort. Like, the, the quote-unquote worst thing they do is stay up all night playing video games, and there are plenty of worse things to do in your life than that, trust me. So, like, I started putting myself in a better crowd. Like, my academics actually started to get better as well. Bs were not a rare thing or an uncommon thing anymore. A's were becoming more, you know, more common within my academics. Like it was, it was a whole transition process. Um, by the end of high school, like I ended my, my GPA ended with like a 3.5 or a 3.6 GPA. Like I was in like the top, top 10 of my class. Um, mainly because like, you know, I had a new outlook in life. I was putting myself around better people. I just had just 
I was just better. You know, I was just becoming a better person. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to this day, I still hang out with all, all of those people that, you know, I went to high school with. Uh, still play video games with them. We still hang out in person, you know, every couple months. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good time. But, you know, then I go to, you know, we all go to college, right? I, I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went into college. Um, I I love biology. I love I love science in general. Science is my favorite subject, and it was my best subject. Um, I loved biology. I loved chemistry. I love everything there was to do with science. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to college, and my major is going to be biochemistry with a chemistry minor. And after one year of college. I quickly realized that I would have to go to school for another 4 billion years to do anything in that field because with with science degrees, if you have a bachelor's of science, you're typically a, um, I don't know the non-cursing word for this, but basically you're, you're, in a, you're the assistant to someone doing research. Like you're doing all of the writing down on paper. Like you're not doing anything hands-on at all. If you get your master's, you might be able to do some hands-on stuff. But basically, you got to get your PhD or your doctorate to do anything worthwhile when it comes to this, the field of science. And even then, once you get your doctorate, now you're writing books and everything else and grants to try and get money for your research. So um, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I really don't want to do that because I hate school. So I, uh, I would change my field of study to a computer science major. And I would study Broadfield art as a minor. And what Broadfield art is, is that I did studios for glass blowing, ceramics, jewel crafting, drawing, art history, anything related to art, broad, broad area art. Um, but, you know, during this whole college tenure, gaming wouldn't be a focus. Like I was 18, 18 years old. My, my focus was, again, girls and hanging out with friends <laughs> um and you know like I said I would do track I did one year of collegiate track I threw shot put and hammer um so again you know game is not a big focus but this is where like guitar hero and rock band came out as well so I had a lot of a lot of guys on my in my dorm they had Guitar Hero and Rock Band. So like, I, you know, I, and I hung out with them. Like, we were all friends. You know, and I played Guitar Hero here and there. I played Rock Band here and there. And uh, one of my friends who I went to high school with, him and I went to college together as well, he would introduce me to World of Warcraft. And when I first started getting into World of Warcraft back in Burning Crusade, which was 2006, I, um, I just wasn't, I wasn't into it. Like, I'd play it for like 20 minutes. And whenever I was bored, I'd hop on. But like, I just wasn't into video games. Um, come my third year of college, though, um, I was like, you know what? I'm ready to go to college. I just, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm taking what we call Mickey classes, which are just exceptionally easy classes. Like, you don't even need to go to class to pass, basically. And at that point is when my gaming addiction really started to kick in because I had. All of this free time, all of my friends were going to class because they're trying to finish up their majors because they decided to do, you know, gen eds first and majors, major field studies second, which I did 
the complete opposite. I did gen eds last in my major and minor field of studying first. So I had like all these Mickey classes. I was just like, oh, I don't need to go to classes. I already know this. I learned this in high school. Um, so like I had a bunch of free time. I, all of my friends were in class. Like I just, I, there was, I had nothing to do. So he said, you know what? Let's just pick up World of Warcraft again. So I, I resubscribed the World of Warcraft, redownloaded it again, and reset back up and start playing it. And I hit max level, and I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool, you know. And then all my friends from high school started playing World of Warcraft. And I was like, oh, now I get to hang out with my friends. We're on TeamSpeak or Ventrilo at the time and chatting with each other. Like, it's a good time. It's just like how it was back in high school. And so that, that addiction started to build. I was like, I'm going to go online. I'm going to play WoW. I'm sure... Dark Water is on, or Wikipedia is on, or, you know, someone's on that I can hang out with, and sure enough, someone was always on, and, um, yeah, my, and then that's, that's basically what it is, it's like, my, my life took a complete 180, where, like, games weren't a big focus, and then all of a sudden, it's like, stop, turn around, now games are all of a sudden become a focal point of my, of my free time, basically. Um, so we go through college. I'm basically only playing World of Warcraft all through college. We graduate college and we get into the real world. Um, you know, I moved to Minnesota, started a job and again, I'm only playing World of Warcraft. You know, I what they would call a serious raider and serious, serious player and whatnot. And, uh, this is when Justin TV is kind of starting to get off the ground a little bit and i remember watching man vs game on justin tv and he was playing i believe it was ninja gaiden um probably emulated my guess is he probably doesn't have those types of console setups but uh i remember watching man vs game and he was playing ninja gaiden on stream and he had like i don't know like 50 60 people in this chat room basically like watching him play ninja gaiden and they were donating like they were giving him money and i'm like what the heck is going on here like i've never seen anything like this in my life um this was before subscribers existed so this is before twitch existed and i'm like i'm like what the heck is going on like why are people just giving him money to play ninja gaiden you know i just didn't understand what was going on so um, it's like, you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the streaming thing. But I didn't use Justin TV. I used a program called Xfire. I don't even know if Xfire still exists. But um, think of it like if you if you watch like Dr. Disrespect or Summit right now or if you watch any type of FPS, think of, think of a more barbaric version of like Boom TV. <laughs> um, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty bad. Um, but it worked. Like I was able to record gameplay footage via Xfire, and people would comment on my footage. Like I always recorded World of Warcraft stuff. Like, I remember I recorded uh, Molten Core raids, Karazhan raids, and things like that. And people would comment on them, and be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I got tier three or tier four, you know, whatever it was, you know, I was doing at the time." You know, they would comment on it, and I'd comment back, "Oh, cool, congrats, you know, whatever else." Um, but then I, I tried to stream to Justin TV once, but back in the day, to stream to Justin TV or just to stream in general, it was the biggest pain in the ass to stream. 
it wasn't as simple as opening up OBS or opening up XSplit to start streaming. You had to have like three different programs open in order to capture video, to capture your audio, and then you had a program to tie in those two together to connect to an ingest server for Justin TV or Xfire or whatever it was that you were connecting to. It was just, it was so tedious and so painful to do that I, I, I deemed it not worth it. And I just decided, to, you know what, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to stream. I'll, I'll keep recording gameplay footage, but I'm not going to stream at all. It's just not worth my time. Um, the 2013 comes along and Justin TV now turns into Twitch TV. Um, and at the time, my name was Rannick24 at the time. If you don't know where Rannick came from, Rannick came from Fort Rannick and Guild Wars because I was a big fan of Guild Wars. So, you know, I, I always stream. I, I typically only streamed World of Warcraft again. Um, and I I would watch other World of Warcraft streamers. I would watch, you know, other streamers. Like, I still continue to this day, even. I still watch Manverse Game, um, Dan's Gaming, you know, some of the OG streamers from back in the day. Like, I still watch them to this day. But I mean, I would watch them then as well too, and realize that they're making they're making a decent amount of money. Like I think Manverse Game was making a living off of it at the time, which was you know unfathomable. And as I'm watching all of this unfold, I'm like, you know what? I want to try my hand at this, but I couldn't use Rank Twenty Four's account because I had some DMCA strikes against my Rank Twenty Four account because I never read. Um, DMCA's or terms and conditions or anything like that uh, whenever I play games. Like, I remember, like, I streamed, like, early, early access betas where I wasn't allowed to, and Twitch did not like that at all. And they, I had a bunch of strikes on my account. So I said, like, you know what? Let's make a new account, and let's try this streaming thing. So that's when I dropped Rannick24. The account may still exist, it might be named Skydance now. I don't remember. Um, but uh, I dropped it and I made E Bloody Candy as my Twitch account. There's a whole video of how I got the name E Bloody Candy. Just go to my Twitch or go to E Bloody Candy YouTube and there's a whole, whole there's two videos worth of it. Um, so I, you know, I, I would go through and I started playing and. Uh, it was a lot easier to stream in 2013 than it was in 2011. Uh, a lot of progress was made in those two years. And um, I remember I used XSplit because OBS, OBS existed, but it just was, it was very, very archaic. It was kind of hard to use. XSplit was just the better option at the time. You download it, it had a bunch of buttons telling you how, to, how it works, and it just, it worked. Um, <laughs> so I remember using XSplit, you know, and then again, I would only stream World of Warcraft again. Um, but at, at the time of World of Warcraft, it was towards the end of, I think, uh, Wrath of Lich King or Mist of Pandera. I can't remember which the expansion was now. Um, so I was getting bored. Like I, I've seen all the, I've seen all the content. I've done all the content. I'm getting bored. So I'm like, you know what? Let's see how I can play older retro games on stream. And I found out you can have emulators. Um, 
I remember using like, what was it like Project N64, Nestopia, things like that. And uh, I played, I remember playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out on stream. And I still to this day don't get that many viewers, mind you. I get like, I think I'm averaging around like 10. But at the time, like when I, when I streamed World of Warcraft, I had like one or two viewers. But when I played Mike Tyson's Punch Out, I would get like 15 or 20 people into my chat, watch me play this 20-some-year-old game. And people would come in and chat like, oh, I remember playing this game when I was a kid. Or, man, I remember I got to Tyson and I just couldn't beat Tyson, you know. Or, I, you know, I always have, I was always giving my controller to my friend or my mom and have them beat Tyson for me or Soda Papa or Sandman, you know, you know, whatever else. Like, they would tell me their experience with the game. And I was like, this is kind of cool, all right. And uh, I more so enjoyed the connection I had with chat more than the actual game itself. So, I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. This is interesting. This is fun. But I just didn't have a love for retro games. Like, it was like I played it simply because, like, I remember playing it when I was a kid. And I kind of want to see... If I, if I still would enjoy it, fast forward three years, you know, what I mean, 20, 2016, um, no, 2015, fast forward two years. I I was watching GDQs back when they were like in the basement of someone's house. Uh, I think like the first GDQ I watched was like 2012 or whatever it was. And I, I found it fascinating to watch people like glitch games. Sometimes I'd be like, Oh yeah, I've done that glitch once. I have no idea how I did it, you know. And then they would explain like how the glitch worked or what it would, what it could do to the game. And like I remember watching these guys like play his games exceptionally fast. The timer, I'm like, man, I, I'm like, I remember watching um, Sinister do Punch Out, and then he beats Punch Out in like what twenty minutes, or whatever it was. And I'm like, God, like Punch Out took me like three days to beat with passwords, you know, and Game Genie and everything else. I'm like, this is really cool. Um, and then 2015 come along and that's when I would, uh, more so dive into speedrunning myself. I got to start to get my feet wet and the first game I ever speed ran was Kirby's Dreamland. Um, and honestly, speedrunning is what boosted my passion for retro gaming. Um, it wasn't so much that like. I, I hated retro gaming, like retro games. It's just that none of my friends were interested in retro games, and I they kind of I kind of they just kind of fell off my radar because you know they're twenty some years old. I'm into newer, better graphics like Crisis and whatever else you know was coming out at the time. Fear, you know, whatever else was out. Um, I was more into modern modern games, but getting into speed running. Uh, it boosted up my it boosted my retro passion a lot. I'm like, oh, I'm like, wow, these games are still pretty fun to this day. Like Kirby Streamline is a good game, it's fun. Um, you know, and then in late 2015, um, Mo would you know, or like I I didn't know Mo at the time, but this thing called the Tiny Ten would happen in October, or November of 2015. Uh, Tiny Ten number two. And I and I I would and I found the list. I don't remember how I found out about the marathon. I might have found it in SDA, may have found it in speedrun.com. I don't remember at all how I came across this marathon, but I, I found it and I learned all ten games and no one knew who the hell I was. Um 
brand new speedrunner, and I join and I win. Like, <laughs> take that, Captain Duck. I win Tiny Tin number two, and like no one knew. Literally, I think Mo might came into my channel once, and I had no idea who Mo was. Bangra might have came in once soon. Like, I had no idea who Bangra was. Um, but after the Tiny Tin, like I would, I would properly meet Mo. PLD 90x at the time, Bangara, you know, um, Nadua, and all those other guys in the Game Boy community. Uh, and that's mind you, at the time, like Game Boy community was like 10 people. Um, there wasn't many of us at all. But at that point, after the Tiny Ten, I started digging more into the Game Boy library. And I found, and at the time, that's when I, like, I dug up my old Game Boy. Um, and I, I, I think I had Pokemon in it still, like Pokemon Red, and uh, I started playing the I started playing the Game Boy again and realized I'm like, wow, some of these Game Boy games are still really good. Like I still enjoy Pokemon, and it's a 20 year old game. I still enjoy Balloon Kid. It's a 20 year old game, and uh, so I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm gonna look online. Like I want, I kind of want to see what the internet has to say about some of these games, and the internet had no information about any of the Game Boy games at all that I that I played. Pokemon and Super Mario Land, Tetris, obviously the exceptions, but um, there was more information out there about Super Nintendo, about the NES, about the Sega Genesis, but there was just nothing about Game Boy games. And if there was something about Game Boy games, it's typically pretty inaccurate. Um, Bangara and I decided to take on a project where we had this giant spreadsheet and we were trying to put in every name that we could find for a Game Boy game, the region it was available in, uh, every different variant of the name, Super Game Boy Enhanced, Multiplayer, DM, everything. And it just got, it was just too much, it was too messy. Um, and it just got to the point where Bengar and I were just like, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. So, uh, fast forward 2016 now. Game Boy Adventure starts. At this time, I have probably 40-some speedruns under my belt. Uh, but Game Boy Adventure starts in May of 2016, and the first game we play is Kirby's Dreamland. Great. Um, but yeah, as I progressed through this challenge, you know, as I started progressing through this challenge, like, I realized that there's just so much information lacking about everything there is Game Boy whether it be hardware related to the actual system, whether it be about games existing, about game information. Like, there was just so many inaccuracies about the Game Boy. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to take it upon myself to fix these inaccuracies. Like, this is a really cool system. It's a system I grew up with. And I honestly, I apparently have a ton of passion for the Game Boy, even though I really, I really didn't think I did. I didn't realize I did in a way until I started getting into Game Boy Adventure. Um, and then through 2016, I would realize that Mula is doing a Game Boy challenge called Portable Pleasure. I think I remember the first one I watched was like, I think like Game 70 or whatever it was. I can't remember. Um, it was fairly, fairly pretty early on in Mo's challenge. Um, but I honestly think that's when Mo's and I's friendship, like, truly started to blossom um mo and i would talk to each other in discord or irc wherever it was at the time but like 
it wasn't like how it is now. Um, <laughs> uh, I would, I, I consider Mo to be a very good friend of mine. Uh, not just an online friend, but he is a very good friend of mine. Um, really hope someday him and I do get to get to meet each other. But um, yeah, you know, I'd go through, I progress through Game Boy Adventure. But my my passion project during for the Game Boy was just to play through Game Boy games and record them and show them off to the world. It wasn't like collecting the manuals and scanning the manuals or scanning the cards or the the boxes or documenting DMG codes or anything of the sort at all. That passion of Game Boy wouldn't come until 2018, so last year, when I would meet Legs for the first time. And uh, I don't remember Legs and I meeting. Like I don't, I don't recall the day or anything of the matter when Legs and I met. I happened to see someone called Sprinting Legs in Discord. And they were talking about, they were in the technical stuff channel of the Game Boy community, talking about something related to the Game Boy or Super Game Boy or something. And I'm like, huh. So I, I go and I, I find their Twitch in there and they happen to be streaming at the time as well. So I, I'm watching them and they're one of the streamers that I typically wouldn't watch because when I watch a stream, I like to see a webcam. I like to have a mic. Like I like I like to see that that experience they're having firsthand, but Legs of Streams don't have a webcam, and she doesn't talk, so she types in chat. She still interacts with her chat quite well, um, but it's one of those streams I typically, like, if I would have came across without knowing them, I, I would have tuned out, because they're, they're, they're not my type of stream, but uh, I, I sat there, and I watched. I believe she was playing, um, maybe it was Kirby's Dream at the time, some sort of Game Boy game, and uh, I hop in her chat. I, I lurk. Like, when I watch Twitch, I lurk hard. Unless it's most chat. Then I just make fun of them the entire time. Um, but I, I lurk pretty hard in Twitch. Um, and uh, I, was, I was watching her play. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, she's not bad. You know, pretty good pretty good player. I think she was speedrunning Kirby Streamline, I think. And uh, she flipped over to... What the heck was it? Because she does a Game Boy Challenge as well, too. She It was brand new. It was game number one. I can't remember what it was. I was like, oh, this person's doing a Game Boy Challenge. And, I, and then I chatted in her chat. And then that's when we started discussing Game Boy. So we just started discussing games and how the internet is stupid and yada, yada, yada. And then we started, you know, we hop into Discord and we, we're talking to Discord and we're going over how like the Game Boy is so poorly documented and this, that, whatever. And she's talking about her background experience with databasing and how she wants to do this, this, this. And I'm like, well, I have, you know, 200 Game Boy games just laying around in a box and I have 150 Game Boy manuals sitting in a box and a few Game Boy boxes. Like, do we just want to start documenting this stuff? Like I'm more than happy to scan it. And, um, yeah, 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 let's do that, you know, and everything else. So, like, we started building out these projects. Like, we have a spreadsheet now. Like, I have Google Doc folders and projects of this. And we started making covers for cassette cases to store Game Boy games. Like, it's it was, it's, it was a, um, it was a blessing in disguise, to say the least, to have two people 
with with the same passion have two very different skill sets that mesh exceptionally well together. Um, it was a blessing in disguise, and I'm, I'm very happy that I, I was able to meet Legs, and she took the time to talk to me about, you know, her passion projects and everything else. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and then later on in 2018, I would meet uh, Gron and Hero, who would complete his Game Boy project um, by beating all the Scandinavian-labeled Game Boy games. And um, our friendship would blossom very quickly. Um, Hero and I have a very, very similar sense of humor and a very similar personality. And again, Hero is one of those people I would very much consider you know, a close friend of mine too. Not just an internet friend, but a very close friend of mine. And we all have a passion for Game Boy. And um, I believe Mo touched base on this in the his podcast episode. But we would... Um, John Carlos would reach out to Hero and about creating a Game Boy team. And uh, Hero being partnered, he was the only one able to create a Twitch team. And uh, he's like, yeah, of course. You know, it sounds, sounds like a great idea. And then we brainstormed ideas. That's where Mon Monochrome City came. Um, and then from there, we would recruit people that would heavily play Game Boy. So P.O.D., Bangera, Hero, myself, Legs, John, Mo, you know. Um, so yeah, like we have a, we're, we're a small team, but we are a very tight knit team. Um, we all get along exceptionally well, which is, which is good for a team. Um, but also 2018 is when this podcast would launch, um, May of 2018, I believe. And I remember Mo and I talking about doing a Game Boy podcast from like 2017 until the day we did it. I think one of the biggest reasons why Mo and I never pulled the trigger beforehand was because we just never had time. Like we don't have any free time at all. Mo actually has a life and goes outside. I do a ton of video editing and a lot of just documenting and reading, um, in my, in my spare time learning. So, uh, for us to do a podcast, like we'd have to find time to edit and produce and make things professional. And like, we just didn't have time to do that. And, um, early 2018 Lakes was like, Hey, like I've been wanting to learn how to do this. I'd be more than happy to help you guys out. And then the, uh, the dream started becoming more of a reality. And, uh, we did the pilot episode back in May of 2018 and, from there, the podcast, you know, it's obviously history. You know, we uh, we have 10 episodes of the main podcast uh, episodes. We will now have 10 episodes of the light episodes. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's amazing how all the puzzle pieces kind of fell into place for the podcast as well. Yeah, it's it's been it's been great, honestly. So... And then now we're in 2019, you know, we're still going strong. Game Boy Adventure's still going strong. Uh, Portable Pleasure, I think, is still going strong. <laughs> no. uh, um, Hero is back doing some Game Boy games again for a uh, extended challenge. Like it's been, it's been awesome. Game Boy's been getting a lot of love lately. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of other things out there in the world, you know, that are focusing on Game Boy. Uh, Jeremy Parrish. 
you know, he's doing the uh, the retrospective of Game Boy stuff. Virtual Boy even too, which I'll talk about after our next break. You got like those lawn plays, like a lot of them have Game Boy games now too. Um, I don't know, there's just been a lot of focus on the Game Boy within the last, you know, six months. It's been it's been really good to see, but at the same time it's been kind of a disaster because the Game Boy market is now like doubled in price. Um, there's a lot of inaccuracies. There's more inaccuracies being published now, and it's just uh, it's cool to get the light shed on it. But there's still a lot of a lot of dark in that light, if that makes any sense. Um, so yeah, uh, with that, we're gonna take another quick break. Uh, we've been talking for quite a while. You can probably hear my voice is starting to wear a little bit. Um, with that, we're gonna come back. We'll talk more about the inspiration of this episode and uh, what to expect from Belthick moving forward. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So yeah, like I said, uh, really, really early on in this episode, um, this episode was inspired by Mo. Uh, listening to his, you know, who is Mo episode, uh, like I knew a little bit about his life, but not nearly as much as, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, like this episode was inspired by Mo. I know a few listeners was curious to hear uh, who I am and my upbringing and how I got into gaming as well too. My like I said, my my road to gaming ha- is a uh, it's not a straightforward road. Um, a lot of twists, a lot of turns. Um, but here we are. But uh, yeah, what to expect from me moving forward? Um, like I said, when I first started streaming, it was more of a hobby. I, I mean, it still is a hobby, but it was more like a. I'm just going to play World of Warcraft, or I'm just going to do this. But now it's a, uh, I would deem my stream more of on a professional level at this point. Uh, it is a hobby, but like I'm not in it for um, competitive esports. Um, I'm not in it for money, although it is appreciated because it definitely supports the hobby. Um, and, it, and a lot of it goes back into my stream in a way to make it more professional. Um it is purely a passion project and honestly the only time nowadays that I play video games is on stream. Um, if I'm not streaming, I'm there is a 95% chance I am not playing a video game. Um, but I'm still in Discord hanging out with all of my friends probably playing video games. Um, but what they expect from me moving forward, uh, speedrunning, you know, past, present, future. I started off with Kirby's Dreamland. I'm in a Kirby's Dreamland tournament right now, which I'm probably going to go into the loser's bracket after this next race. Um, I have no sight, you know, nothing in view of retiring from Kirby's Dreamland, um, but I will probably stop running it 
for marathons and competitively after this tournament is over. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to be completely out of the picture. I still very much enjoy seeing new routes, finding new routes, finding new glitches, etc. But um, the level of play for Kirby's Dreamland now has gotten to the point where I am beyond the game and I don't want to learn the new stuff. I'm very much an OG runner of Kirby's Dreamland, so don't expect me to learn any of the RNG manips that are out there now. Um, present speedrunning, I have a few few plans for some speedrunning here in the upcoming future. Um, 2019, we've already learned and created new and created leaderboards for speedruns. Uh, Titus the Fox, Prehistoric Man, uh, and a couple others. So. Definitely not a retired speedrunner, as some of the memes may say, but uh, very much not as hardcore as I once was in the speedrunning. I think I, I think honestly, if you look at my entire like speedrunning resume, so to speak, I think I have um, between speedrun.com and Mega Man leaderboards, I think almost around a hundred hundred games under my belt for speedrunning. So, and that's that that isn't including the games I never submitted to a leaderboard like Mole Mania, games like that. So I definitely have the experience under my belt. I just uh, have had our, is I'm just not as aggressive as I once was. Uh, the future though, I do have, like I said, future plans for speedrunning. Um, I have a few games um, on, on in the queue. Yeah, in the queue. Um, Gargoyles Quest 2 for the Game Boy. Is probably going to be one of my next games that I learn. Um, I do enjoy making new leaderboards for Game Boy games on speedrun.com. So I'll, you know, I play down a base route, make a leaderboard, show it off, let people beat my record, and do its thing. Um, so that's what to expect from speedrunning. Uh, like, I, I, like I said, like I, I will be in RGL's Retrothon uh, with Titus the Fox and. Fist of the North Star Game Boy. Um, I submitted to Speedy Fist. I submitted Shaq Fu. I don't know if I got accepted into that yet or not. I'll find out in a week, I think. Um, I submitted to SGDQ. Again, I don't know if I'm going to get into SGDQ. I'll find out at the end of the month. You know, I'm still active with Handheld Heroes. I'm an admin for Handheld Heroes. Um, and we just recently announced this year's marathon. So... Like I'm obviously involved still with the speedrunning community, just not as aggressive when it comes to playing the games as I once was. But I will still be, I will still be active within the speedrunning community. I'll still be around. Uh, Game Boy Adventure, past, present, future. Belphic, you changed your name from E Blooded Candy to Belphic, and you were you started Game Boy Adventure as E Blooded Candy, but now you're Belphic. How's this all going to work? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> Game Boy Adventure is still going to happen. It's still just going to press forward. There's no way in hell that I'm replaying 208 games, 209 games, just to make everything consistent. That is just that's 355 hours of gameplay that I'm not going to do again, especially with some of those games. Oof. Um, <laughs> but with that said... Uh, the, the YouTube channel eBloody Candy is still around for now. Um, I haven't up, I haven't posted a progress video of like what's going on, but 
games uh, 1 to 153, I believe, are up on eBloody Candy's YouTube account. They can still be watched there. Games 1 to 209 are on my Twitch. They can be watched there if you can get the Twitch search to work. Um, there is a collection, but Twitch, yeah, I don't want, yeah. Um, and I also have them all locally recorded and sitting in a folder on a hard drive as well, too. Um, that's the past. The present, I am waiting for Man Over Mars to make me a logo. And I, I feel so bad pestering him, but I need it so bad. Um, I will be making another layout. But it is actually going to be branded. If you've ever looked at all of our previous layouts for Game Boy Adventure, they are exceptionally inconsistent with color, look, at feel, everything. Because I don't have a brand around Game Boy Adventure. Um, I have reached out to Man Over Mars. I gave him some ideas of how I want a logo to look and colors and everything and style. And once that's whipped up, we will have actual unified branding around Game Boy Adventure once and for all. And everything will be under Belfit Gaming. I believe I had to double check this, but I don't think I don't think any of my layouts actually said E Bloody Candy unless it was requested by. Um, so I, I don't think there was like Game Boy Adventure by E Bloody Candy or anything like that. So I think we're fairly kind of sort of safe on that. Uh, moving forward with Game Boy Adventure, all two hundred and however many videos will be on. Belfix's YouTube channel. I don't know when, but it will be in 2019. Uh, I would probably say within the next six months, every single Game Boy Adventure game that I have a recording of, which is all but two, I believe, will be on Belfix's YouTube channel. Now, with that said, Belfix's YouTube channel is still new, and with YouTube's new guidelines i can't do the youtube.com slash gaming quite yet so there's a weird youtube link right now for it but i'm hoping that i can contact youtube and be like hey like i changed my name like can you just give me belfit gaming um and uh with that you know all 200 and some odd game boy games will be up there Along with our variety games, like, you know, I still do the variety gaming, like Red Dead Redemption, um, Doom, probably Resident Evil coming soon, um, Dragon Marked Death, Marked for Death at the end of the month. So, uh, but yeah, that's what to expect for Game Boy Adventure. Um, I have done a lot of extra things with Game Boy Adventure. I've done streams with how Game Boy Adventure gets set up for every single game, um, I want to start doing raffles again for Game Boy Adventure so I can have a more interactive feel with my community during it. Um, and 2019 is probably going to have a fairly heavy focus for Game Boy Adventure. I'm kind of hoping to be close, if not into the 300 Game Club for Game Boy, um, which would put us over... It would put us very close to the halfway mark, I believe, or over the halfway mark. Of the challenge being complete. So uh, yeah. Really looking forward to that. Uh, with that we're going to close out the episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Um, I left a lot out. Honestly. Because this is already going on over an hour. 
Um, I did leave a lot out of this episode in terms of like my actual personal life. Um, I have no no problems talking about it. So if you are curious about some of my upbringing, DM me on Discord, chat me on Twitch, I, you know, whatever. Um, I'll be more than happy to tell you more about my childhood if you are interested about it. Yeah. With that said, I am Belthic Gaming. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Gaming. Twitter at Belthic Gaming. YouTube is some obscure ID right now, but hopefully it'll be Belthic Gaming. Um, what else? You can find me on Discord at Belthic or Belthic Gaming, whichever. Um, you can find my awesome podcast co host, uh, Mula, at Mula, M O E L L E U H, on Twitch. I think he's Mula on Twitter and on YouTube now. Uh, then obviously you can find our fantastic producer legs, um, legs on YouTube, legs in Discord, sprinting legs on Twitch, um, or you can find all this information at gbrunners.com/tigb. It has all of our links to the Discord, to our social media, to our Twitch, everything else, and our Patreon. Um, for those of you that don't know, we have a Patreon. And once we hit a monthly goal of $20, Mola and I will be doing streams of our recordings. So you'll be able to see mine and Mo's face as we make fun of each other. And obviously they'd be uploaded to YouTube as well. Um, outside of that, I don't think we have anything else going on. Um, as of today for events going on, uh, SGDQ submissions I think will still be open by the time this episode goes out. Handheld Heroes was announced for July 12th through July 14th of 2019. So definitely put that on your calendars because I'm in charge of the art for that. And it's going to be lit. Um, we have the Tiny 10 number 9, I believe, coming up. When does this episode come out? I don't want to say too much. comes out the day we're releasing the list anyway. So coming up in May something. I forgot the actual date already. Um, we'll, we'll be doing the Tiny 10 number 9 list reveal and date reveal when this episode is released. Um, and then RGL's Retrothon is sometime in April, so make sure to look up that, Retrothon.com. And, uh, yeah, with that, the next time you hear from me, we'll be Mo and I talking together again, talking about the Tiny 10 number 9 game list. And, uh, Probably making some pretty epic memes out of it because there's some sweet games in there. Anyway, y'all, have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Do 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 do